Well, thank you, Jenna. Uh, no doubt it is Pentecost Sunday. And so our hope today is to look back on the birthday of the church. It's the day the Holy Spirit empowered the first followers of Jesus. And we want to remind ourselves that we too must be filled with the Holy Spirit year after year, day after day, if we're going to continue to show and tell our generation the good news of the kingdom of God. For those of you that have been listening, a couple of weeks ago I shared that the church after this day of Pentecost was threatened. And as I read that story in Luke, not Luke, in Acts 4, I suggested that they responded to that threat in three ways. One was prayer, the second was proclamation of the good news, the third way is prosperity. So this is the second part of that. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowered the church to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So right after his ascension, that is Jesus leaving this planet, going back into the heavenlies with his Father, he told his first bunch of disciples to wait, wait until the Spirit comes. Do you remember the story? After his suffering in Acts 1, Jesus presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. One thing we forget, after Jesus' resurrection, that was a big day, but day after day after day for 40 days, Jesus kept appearing. We have this historical record of Jesus resurrected, showing up alive to his disciples. And each time he came, he gave them a little bit more about the kingdom of God, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem. Wait, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of my Father. This, Jesus said, is what you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the disciples waited, waited, waited in Jerusalem until that baptism of the Holy Spirit. But why? Why? Why did they need the Holy Spirit to fill them? Well, Jesus told those disciples... The reason is this. Remember, each of you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's the Holy Spirit that filled the disciples with his presence, with his power. So they became effective witnesses of Jesus to their generation. Without the Holy Spirit filling them, they would not have been effective witnesses to Jesus. After the, the initial filling of the Holy Spirit, that day of Pentecost, that birthday of the church, on the morning of Pentecost, they witnessed to Jesus, and it was so effective that 3,000 Jews said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, when Peter gave the invitation. It was, it was this. I'm going to read you the story. Now, when they heard Peter's Holy Spirit-empowered witness of Jesus. They were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They said to Peter and to the other apostles, 
brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And Peter testified with many other arguments, empowered words, the Holy Spirit empowering to witness to Jesus. He exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to that new church. Wow. Wow, after a very short spirit-empowered message, 3,000 Jewish pilgrims changed their mind about Jesus. 3,000 were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 3,000 received forgiveness and cleansing for the rebellion. 3,000 received the gift of the person, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 were saved from a corrupt generation. Well, we can celebrate that, but at the same time, I believe, I hope you do too, that the Holy Spirit is ready to do something similar in the lives of us who are following Jesus today. There, there remains thousands of people in our generation who need to hear an empowered witness of Jesus. There's thousands of people who need to change their minds about Jesus, thousands who need forgiveness for rebellion, and then a baptism into a whole new identity, thousands who would benefit from the filling of their life with the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there's thousands who need salvation for, from our corrupt generation. Now let me be really clear we can't do any of that on our own. We have to wait for the Holy Spirit to visit us. Only He can empower our witness in these ways. And as we wait, we need to ask, what would, his, what would delay His coming? What would keep the Holy Spirit from filling us so that we could have our own Pentecostal story for our generation. I have a suggestion. And I'm going to share that suggestion, not lightly, it's, it's sad, and I'm a bit tentative to proceed, but I do believe that there is a crucial question to ask and there's a possible answer. Because our witness for Jesus in the day that we live is rarely empowered. We are not seeing thousands added to the church. So I, I want to suggest something. The suggestion is we need to listen to our message. Are we listening to our message? Are we listening to what we're saying to people? Are we delivering the same message 
delivered by Peter on the day of Pentecost? Or have we begun to present a mixed message to our generation, a message that mentions Jesus but inserts another message or two? Is our message pure, like on that first day of Pentecost, or is it adulterated? Peter's message was simply Jesus. Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Peter was a witness to the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. He was a witness to the inauguration of the kingdom of God on earth. Peter was a herald announcing the arrival of a new and everlasting king of heaven, Jesus. And as I listened to us today, that simplicity and that clarity of the first message is rarely heard. More often than not, that simple and clear message has been co-opted. The gospel message has been used for something different than its original purpose. It's the case of the tail wagging the dog. The unimportant taking charge over the most important. I want you to consider the following. The simple message of Jesus and his resurrection has been co-opted by a message of fear, a message of hate, a message of violence, and a message of another Savior. I want to explore each of those briefly and then suggest that these might in some way delay the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, I really need the Holy Spirit to help us to listen. We need to invite Him to illuminate our hearts and our minds in these few moments. So Holy Spirit, come. Open our minds. Open our ears. Let us hear. The simple message of Jesus and his resurrection has been co-opted by a message of fear. The unprecedented global migration of people in the past few years has supplied some of the fuel for that fear. Our national Christian leaders have filled all the communication channels available to them with fear of the outsider, invading the sanctity of our homeland. The primary target of that fear has been immigrants from Muslim countries. The message of fear has been all Muslims are radical, and all Muslims wish to overthrow our faith and overthrow our government. Another message of fear spoken by church leaders is harshly directed toward the LGBTQ community. The church has a traditional understanding of sexual orientation and marriage. And this community has asked for conversation 
But the church's response has been, there's the door, get out, no conversation. Many who say they follow Jesus speak of this community with disdain and feel justified for it. Some have even created a new category of unpardonable sin. And others have called down the severe judgment of God on our nation if our laws do not change. These fear-filled messages about Muslims and gay people have stoked so many fires of fears in the minds of churched people. And that fear-based message has led to the second, a message of hate. God says, and forever says, he loves the world. That's all of us. All of us. Including the Muslim and including the gay. And he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. But that message, that message of love, that message of salvation is silenced by the fears and replaced by a spirit of hate. I don't want to beat around the bush. We've received a message of hate toward those who are threatening our way of life. And when that threat is heightened by rhetoric from those that most of us respect, that hate is legitimized. We're led away from the way of love established by Jesus' teaching and into a spiritualized way of hate in order to protect our faith and our family. Fear begets hate, and hate begets violence. Many of us following Jesus are armed to the teeth. Some of us even suggest that if Jesus was on the earth today, he'd be packing with us. Have we forgotten the time of Jesus' ministry? He lived in a land occupied by a foreign empire that enforced its power with violence. Jesus' teaching, like turn the other cheek or go a second mile or love your enemy or bear your cross daily are emptied of their profound impact if we deny that Jesus wholeheartedly and to the death was nonviolent. Are we the followers? of nonviolence today? Our government has certainly not embraced nonviolence as a policy. Once again, we're horrified by the violent death of another black man, George Floyd, under the knee of a police officer. Fear, hate, Violence are messages that have been delivered again and again and again, co-opting the gospel message of Jesus 
and resurrection. Finally, when the message of the good news of kingdom is co-opted, we lose sight of the true supernatural Savior. Many of us have placed our hope in vicious, divisive, partisan politics in order to elect a national Savior. Many of us hope that that national Savior will exert his or her earthly powers to vanquish all the enemies of the church by whatever means available. The end now totally justifies the means. Everything goes. Fear-mongering, lies, judicial activism, corruption, ineptness, authoritarianism. Whatever our political savior says, goes. May I suggest that these messages of fear and hate and violence and the hope for another savior have co-opted the simple message of Jesus, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And as long as these messages exist, I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved. Paul writes in Ephesians, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. My suspicion is as long as we grieve the Holy Spirit, He will not fill us. We will need to wait for our day of Pentecost until we repent. We must change our message. We must stop listening to any message that distracts our attention from the one and true message. We must be delivered from our corrupt generation and sadly even delivered from a corrupted, adulterated message delivered by many in the church in our generation. I suspect that may be a lot to take in in one short message. So we're going to take a moment and sit with these words. Amber is going to lead us in a song of confession. And as that song is being sung, please, I, I appeal to you, please allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Let him speak to us. Let him convict us where it's needed. Today is a good time for repentance.
I've always been told that that's the one prayer that the Lord always answers. Lord, have mercy. As we end on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to ask you to do something. And I want somebody to even do that here. I want, want you to go to your front door. I want you to open it up. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your home. So somebody do that with our door here. Send somebody to the front door. Open the front door. Invite the Holy Spirit into your home. As he comes in, welcome him into every room of your home. And as he comes in, invite him to fill every person in your home. May he reside in every heart. And as he comes, thank him. Thank him for his guidance. Thank him, thank him for his counsel. Thank him for his help. Thank you for even conviction. And thank him for empowerment. May we partner with the Holy Spirit in everything and in every way.